Welcome to another Survivor edition of the Bitter Jury Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Mai, and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Charles. Um, Lord knows he's been the only one that has consistently shown up to these, and I love it and I respect it. Uh, Charles, I'm going to go straight into it. I know you're happy with the results of this uh, of this week's episode, but uh, how are we feeling? I'm happy, uh, but as we were talking before we got on, I have kind of mixed feelings about how it went on. Um, I felt as if I had a smaller emotional impact that I expected seeing that I will say her name now that she's gone. Um, but now that Emily's gone, um, I was happy about it. Uh, but definitely the play out of this week um, was pretty nice to see. Had a couple of angry moments that I think you and I will agree on as well so definitely looking forward to talking about that absolutely so getting straight into it 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 was a packed it was a packed episode so we're um i don't know if we should necessarily attack the uh, austin and d show man because i think there's bigger fish to fry but i would love to just get your immediate thoughts on the potential of a showman's this is going to be my first showman's comment in regards to survivor and (laughs) i don't know it's one of the few times that i guess i will have a hard time trying to find words to describe something um you lost for words oh boy i think so i think i'm more impartial to it in a sense because i feel as if it's not a thing I think in my watching, and obviously we have it edited down to fit into, you know, the hour and a half that the show's on. But to me, it just seems super friendly, where even though they were flirting and they had their, oh, do you remember the engagement moment from these other people? And I thought that I would come to Survivor and have that engagement moment with someone. Like it literally, that conversation for me seemed as if it was more of a, best friend conversation of oh hey i want to go on and find love on survivor and maybe i'll find that but it's not going to be with you and i know that that's not what editing was wanting us to pick up from that but that was the vibe that i got it just was very it was more friendly than flirty so i was kind of just like okay whatever um i don't know what do you think um, I mean, obviously, as a fan of the show, I know about Robin Amber, and um, that was a really you know fun thing to watch play out since it was successful, and like they're still together, they have a family, like it's it's a successful you know showman's turned relationship. I don't know, this one's a bit weird to me because it has happened, like this this season, it's later than it usually is, if that makes sense. Um, usually these showmances start earlier where it's just kind of like, oh, like it's a cute, it's like the meet cute thing of like, oh, I think he's cute and I think she's cute. And they just kind of chat and they're, and you know, it's like flirty energy and flirty vibes. Like, um, for my star fans, you saw it with Matt and Frank and, uh, and Franny last season. And cause it started early and like they saw each other and, and especially because they were on the same tribe and the same goes for Austin and D where it's kind of like. Oh, like he's super cute. Oh, she's oh she's cute. Like, oh, she's my type, whatever, whatever. And it just kind of grows over the season. And um, I feel like usually those tend to be more most more uh, more sorry, more successful. And I think the same goes for Big Brother, 
where I feel like usually it starts earlier and it be, and it starts like the meet cute, you know, flurry type of type of energy. And like nobody's making a move until later on. And then like by the end of the season, they're making out and shit. And like, I feel like those tend to be a, a bit more successful than like out of nowhere towards like more than halfway past the season. But you never know. Maybe in real life when this was being shot, maybe that's just like maybe they didn't have a conversation about it earlier. Or maybe it's the power of editing and they haven't shown it to us until now because it wasn't successful. You never know what, you know, yeah. what uh, what the uh, producers are hiding. But I don't know. Um, Showmance is overall can either go really well or really poorly. I mean, obviously, the showman that they were referring to, Robin Amber, is the most successful one. They were the winner and runner-up of that season. So, like, it's it's hard to kind of tell and gauge what this can do for them from, like, a strategic or game standpoint. But I also think that they're smart enough to know that if they enter a showman, it's dangerous for their games. And, I mean, give me a little more feedback on the aesthetic of showmances and survivor where obviously, you know, I know kind of how that works in the big brother house where those people start to become um, more of a target. And then obviously since they are, you know, in a different way, but similar way, just kind of cooped in that same studio space with everybody. And so people can see those things and not, you know, do people in showmances on survivor traditionally go like hide behind a tree and make out or is socially and strategically yeah. it's very similar to big brother okay. like here's here's my example this season you watched Corey and america get in a bed together guess what happens on survivor you watch them cuddle together in their sleep like it's very similar in that it's hard to hide because human and human instinct when you fall for somebody it tends to be the whole we fin asleep together and all that jazz so it's not necessarily usually hidden um, I don't know. Robin Amber really made it work. And I think ever since then, it's kind of been more accepted to do it. If you feel it, you know, like you saw it uh, in the little like clip package that they put together. Like that is like, that is hands down the most successful showman's probably in the history of reality TV. Both of them have one survivor. Um, in the season where they fell in love, they were uh, winner and runner up. After the season, they had a whole wedding special. They have four kids, you know, and they had the full circle moment. They both came back for the all winter season. It's and they did they know they came runner. They were the runners up on the amazing race, too. Like this is just you're talking about a power couple and everybody wants to have the Robin Amber story. When you fall for someone on Survivor, you see this almost all the time. Like most couples will reference like, oh, like I'd love to be like a Robin Amber type of situation. You know, mm. it's idealistic. It's so idealistic. Yeah. Um, You know, it's very similar from Big Brother to Survivor. It's a similar, you know, transition because translation because, you know, both of them, you're very much so in public eye when it comes to like other contestants, other players seeing you do your thing. So. You know, it's it's a risk if you want to take it and like a lot and like um, personally, I think it should all wait until after the show. But if you feel like getting it on on bamboo, uh, <laughs> on bamboo things uh, on your weak bamboo bed, whatever you do, you but 
Hey, honestly, a lot of people, some people have just passed it off as like they're just cuddling for for warmth. And we're just like, we're, we see right through that, but whatever. I'm cold. I'm cold. <laughs> Let me move on from this awkward conversation. We're going to talk about the where the strategy really begins to play in. Uh, D and Julie want Emily out. Emily wants Julie out. And then, then there's, whole, there's this whole dichotomy when you've got the four people in the middle, Austin, Drew, Jake, and Katora, trying to figure out what's the right balance for their games. You know, everybody's being approached for this move, that move. You know, Emily's telling these guys that, you know, Julie and vice versa, and it's just this whole chaos. Where do you, I don't know, this is such like a weird thing, but like maybe just generally, what are your thoughts on this kind of, I feel like we haven't seen this yet, where it's like directly, like you've got two sh- two sides directly shooting at each other. And I'm I'm sure it's refreshing after this past Big Brother season. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. One of the things that I've said episode and episode again at this point is I'm loving how there's actual sides um, here on Survivor as opposed to the whole masses voting against one person that we've had on the past several seasons of Big Brother. Um, Made me a little worried, of course, this week because my boy Drew was in a lot of the conversation as well, whether it be as a target at one point or whether it be you know trying to you know just him trying to fuel the conversations and whatnot um but again i'm here for that dynamic like you know i feel as if everybody's here for that dynamic you know as, as they always say you know they're there on the island so feelings can get hurt and they start to make these relationships with people that they're obviously trying to survive with but again you got to look at you know the whole reason that you're there in the first place and that reason is to both mend and break some fences um along the way um navigating that obviously is a big challenge but no like i thought that the dynamic of the sides and the middle and the unknown was fucking fantastic this week now, I think what you're starting to see when we're getting like, I feel like you're really seeing the like the peak of it, Charles, because uh, you're new to watching this show. When we get to this point, I think you really get to see the living conditions effect on the players in Big Brother. Sure, you have the paranoia of like being under surveillance 24 seven. But I think that's why Sari handled it so well, because she's seen like she's dealt with worse living conditions like Big Brother may have been longer, but this has worse worse living conditions. I feel like now you're seeing the effects of lack of food, lack of sleep, lack of warmth, like all of these like external effects are really like this is like the final. I think the final eight and after is where you really get to see like people like people like Julie going kooky and going crazy people like Jake are all are like in their element like he's like there's no shyness about Jake anymore he's out there and he's and it's so entertaining to watch and I'm sure you agree um just I feel like you really get to see like the effects of the surroundings and like the environment and all that and like like I said the living conditions on them to be fair, I have commented on this because I've seen those effects since day one of watching because I comment every fucking time 
about how nasty their fucking legs and arms are. So yeah, that's nothing new to me. Again, kudos to everybody that's even been through the whole survivor experience because I couldn't do that shit. But yeah, let's talk about Emily's journey now. Let's talk about Emily's journey. Emily, um, so the seven are told you got to pick someone to go on a journey. If you can't come to a consensus, if or if like multiple people want to go, you will draw you'll draw rocks. All of them, which I think smartly, just because you don't want to, you know, single yourself out as a target, all of them smartly decide to, you know, just all pick a rock. And of course, one of the people who didn't want it at all, Emily, is the one that gets it. So Emily goes on a journey and she's given um and she's shown a challenge when she makes her journey up. Um, and that challenge is to get. I believe it's rocks, like a rock and string, like a sorry, a ball attached to a string through, like weave them through hoops and get it untangled. Um. So let me ask before I say this because this gives some context, but I'm gonna ask, um, Charles, do you think Emily decided not to play it? Um, the the here were here was what was at, at stake here. If she plays and completes it successfully. She will be safe at the next tribal. If right. she if she competes and she fails, she loses her vote. Charles, do you think Emily made the right decision by not playing? Yes. I do just because of her track record. And I'm sure that that even though she didn't really vocalize that from what we saw and she might have, you know, um, in an edit at some point, <clears throat> but she has not performed well in challenges, both with tribe or as we've seen solo. And I'm sure that fear for her in that moment, especially as we saw her talk through the pros and cons of even attempting it. And obviously, you know, winning it is going to put her in a great place, but Truthfully, I sat there and again, I'm not the biggest fan of her, but I kept thinking there's no fucking way you should try this. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think they had even provided some statistic to her about like the number of people that have actually won that when they attempted it. Um, and you may be able to speak to that more. But I mean, yeah. everything was working against her in that moment from the get go that I don't see. I see her being practical in making the decision of, yeah, I really don't see myself being this like swan, this ugly duckling swan story of being able to save myself yeah. because I'm going to pull off one challenge because, again, she's also shown mentally, even though she's an intelligent individual, she just isn't performing well in those situations. So I you know, at the end of the day, I do think that was smart for her. So let me say this. Um, I was mistaken. It's not like a, it's not a ball attached to string. It's it's four hoops in like a stair formation with a ball at the top and a and a round string. So a connected string is wrapped around is in some form. Um, let me give context. So I'm going to read a tweet from Carson Garrett. Um okay. Carson Garrett was um, came in fourth place last season. To me, one of the best players in the new era to not win the game. He was phenomenal. One of my favorites from last season. Carson is well known for being a puzzle genius because he he's a NASA student 
um, who 3D printed Survivor puzzles ahead of going on the show. I mentioned this guy earlier because this is the reason why we have new puzzles. Carson tweeted out a video of the solution and it freaking mind boggles me myself. This is the tweet he wrote. The puzzle that has stumped the masses is called disentanglement. It's genuinely one of the hardest puzzles I've ever solved. I definitely think Emily made the right decision. Mm -hmm. This is a puzzle that is known to have a very low success rate. This would be stupid for anyone to attempt if they haven't tried it before. If this is something, if you're like Carson and you 3D printed out these puzzles and you had time to practice with it, then by all means, if you feel confident enough after that practice, go for it. But I fully agree with you, Charles. It's too much of a risk for her with the place that she's at in her game to risk it on one of the most difficult puzzles this show has ever seen. If it was anything else, like I think, I can't believe, uh, I, I was going to say the puzzle that Austin completed, but now I'm remembering that she also lost that one. Um, <laughs> but no, I think um, most other puzzles, I would have said that she should go for it because again, safety is a big thing. But given what the puzzle is, I'm not going to deny that I think she made the right move for her game. Her vote in this tribal council was crucial. It's seven. So it could be a case of where her vote could change things. You never know. You don't want to rely on six other people, none of which have explicitly pledged their loyalty to you, except for maybe Austin and Drew. But how much do you trust it if they still have D and Julie on the other side, a.k.a. Julie, the person who wants to get you out? So. I I fully think that she made the right decision. I think it's too hard for the risk. Um, any closing thoughts on that journey, Charles? No, I mean I, I have a question though. So, yeah. is there a journey like this in every season where one person gets to go and they do the whole draw rock thing? I think this no? is this is newer. I don't think. Oh, okay. To my like to my memory, I mean it's also. 10 p.m. But to my memory, I don't think that we've seen this very often prior, let alone for the last 44 seasons. Um, But yeah. Well, Um, no, just because I was curious as to how that typically went. Like if this was a regular thing that had come back. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. In seasons where people have just said, hey, I don't want to go. And one person ends up going or how that's gone before. Yeah. Let's talk about this challenge here. So, do you remember it better than I do? Well, never mind, never mind. I was going to bring up something else, but we'll circle back to it. We'll circle back to um, Is it something that happens before the challenge? Yes. Go for it. We're speaking chronologically. Um, no, here. I just, because uh, my friend Joel, who I've brought up before, who I would love to yes. bring on, who still just simply refuses to come on. Um, he watched the episode on Wednesday and I ended up watching a couple of days after. And so I was getting a lot of running commentary from him, which made it kind of interesting because I had no idea what was happening. Mm-hmm. But he was he had kind of clued me in on the fact that Katora had a moment in the show this week. Um, and that happened prior to the challenge. I don't know if you remember. Yes, she did. Just, the backstory of of her being in a religious cult and 
that I don't know that like had me silent <laughs> for a while. Again, I'm searching for words, but it was like, oh shit, this is crazy, you know. And then hearing about how she was slated to be the wife of I don't want to say the pastor, but the le- the leader of the cult or whatever, and she was like. 13 or 14 years old or some crazy shit and it's like what the actual fuck like i don't know like obviously i don't have too much to say other than i thought it was great to kind of have her moment um come to the light but i didn't know if you had any thoughts or emotion behind that i mean i'm not gonna speak too because i i don't want to speak on something that i don't really you know can relate mm-hmm. to but what i gotta say though is that i love i like the choice of when it happened because this is fresh off the bruce um elimination and obviously katura is super happy but like this is our opportunity to get to know katura outside of i hate bruce yeah. and like we've gotten to see glimpses of that and she's an awesome person yeah. but i love that we finally got this moment and it's nice that they waited that like now bruce is gone so now she gets this moment because you can focus fully on her and not like oh what does this mean a relation to bruce or, or bruce or some crap mm-hmm. like that you know you get to single out who she is as a person and really connect with katora um so i like the choice of when this moment happened because it gives us an opportunity to focus fully on her and her story and her you know experience so no i think uh this is another thing like survivor producers and editing do a good job of picking good moments to highlight players and really give them their moment to shine you know yeah so kudos to you katora for being strong and overcoming what I cannot even begin to imagine. I mean, you know, that shaped her life. And thankfully she took advantage of that and is doing really, really awesome things. So I did want to bring that up in the midst of all the craziness that we're talking about, because it's just great to see um, people overcome and be strong. Yeah. So moving back to the, to the challenge, which is both reward and immunity. I'm going to read the description off of the Survivor Wiki. Unspun heroes. Attached to a rope, castaways will need to first race through a series of obstacles to untangle their rope. When they feel that they have enough rope, they must go through a second set of obstacles in order to reach a table of sandbags. Using the sandbags, they must knock down a tower of blocks. Once their blocks have been knocked over, they will use the blocks to complete an arch-shaped word puzzle. First person to spell resourcefulness correctly on both sides of the arch wins the reward is a barbecue feast at camp um i love this challenge i really enjoyed this challenge what i really liked about it is a new aspect and it is the fact that they need to give themselves enough slack of rope you know what i mean like i love that aspect of like it's not just get through the rope maze it's give yourself enough slack because you've because you also saw where like they were able to pick up the letters and put them together. Oh, sorry. No, no, that wasn't it. If they hit the it letters too hard that. and it went too yep. far yep. and you didn't give yourself enough slack, you just gave yourself enough just to get to the table. Now you're going to go back and about that. a few more inches to get mm-hmm. there and pick up those pieces that fell back further. I think it just adds such an interesting layer to the challenge, which already has a difficulty level of its own. You know, uh, Charles, what do you think of this challenge? 
I mean, needless, I don't think I need to say how happy I am at who won the challenge. Even in second place, both but, of them, whoever would have won from those, from those yeah, final yeah, two, you would have um, been happy with. Yeah, so that doesn't have to be said. But, no, I actually liked it, too, and I was thankful, and that was my whole thing. I am, you can ask anyone who knows me, I am a terrible, terrible judge of distances. I can't do shit like that. Like, somebody will be like, oh, that's probably 12 inches, and I'm, like, holding my arms out in, like, a three-feet-long space and they're like charles that's not 12 inches um so that would have been really difficult for me and so i think i would have done and i don't know if this is what drew did but it kind of seemed like it like i legit would have like unraveled so much are you gonna say something yeah you're gonna say the same thing that i'm gonna yeah like i mean i would have still like while all these other people are attempting and as we saw you know, uh, Jake had to go back a couple, like a couple people had to go back just right from the gate. I would have been unraveling until there was maybe like one unravel left just because I know that I'm such a terrible judge. Excuse me. And so I got super excited when I saw that Drew made it on his first attempt. And I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like he's going to fucking crush it. But then when he threw one of his little sandbags too far, I was like, shit is he gonna have to go all the way back and do it again so no i think the mental toll on just trying to judge that visually also again taking into consideration as we saw like, oh you may throw your bag too far and now you can't get it i wouldn't have thought about that from the get-go right i would have thought oh cool they're gonna shag the bags back to me and this is gonna be great um and so then you know the physical aspect of having to go the up and down over the little hurdles or whatever and even though that wasn't super physical compared to some of the other more endurance type comps that they've done as you've said and you know i'll kind of reiterate this is a point where mentally they are probably really trying to make that big push toward the end of the game And so we saw the frustrations on some of the players as they, oh, I think I have enough. And they are two rungs away or two hurdles away from getting to the sandbags. So they got to go all the way back. And then they unravel a little bit more and then they go and they're still too short. So then they go back. Like, at what point do you just say, well, fuck this. I'm so far behind, you know, and I'm about to pass out because I haven't eaten a decent meal in two weeks and just say, you know what, let's just hope I don't get voted voted out tonight. Um, so yeah, this actually may have been, it may have been my favorite challenge, truthfully, the more that I think about it. Um, yeah, I, I actually enjoyed it. I did hate the fact that Austin was so in the moment that in spite of Jeff saying, Make sure it's the same on both sides. Make sure it's the same on both that sides. That frustrated me so hey, much watching, watching Austin Make do Make sure that. it's the same on both sides. Make sure it's the same on both sides. Um, and Austin just stood there and did nothing, right? Um, so that was a little frustrating to watch. But again, as he said, he was like, he was so in that moment that hearing that was just an afterthought for him. and he just froze as he was trying to figure out because at that point, you know, he thought he had won and couldn't figure out why he didn't. 
Yeah. I mean, when you first get to the challenge and they explain, I'm pretty sure you get a moment to actually look at the challenge and understand what's going on. And to me, I see that distance and I just would have said, if it takes me the few, like the the few extra seconds or the minute or two longer, I'm gonna take that gamble. More slack is better than too little than like too little slack. Yeah. So like making sure you have that extra rope can't hurt you. And like this is different because like you like in the past, you're not still chained to the rope when you're chucking those bean bags, those sandbags. So it's always helpful to have the extra slack and to have that extra mobility factor. Um, I like also the use of the arch in spelling challenges in the past. We've seen them go completely basic of just like you need to unscramble a long puzzle or you've seen or we've also seen um, they have to spell immunity. But like the way it works is like they're given blocks and they have to like suspend a table like a, a platform with a rope, like hold on to a rope and keep that stable and like inch their way across a beam and then place one letter go back while keeping the string steady. Do you get what I'm getting at? Yeah. Keep the string steady as they're going back. Turn around, grab another letter, and then inch their way up, put it down, go back, and just keep doing that. Like, I like that this is kind of like a fun balance because you have to keep that arch going and you're looking at what letters are where, and you're also worrying about what the heck happens if it falls, you know? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I also, yeah. Well, really quick note um, is again, thankfully Drew did win, (laughs) which I think you were about to say, but I do have a note. Um, Drew, I doubt that you'll ever watch or, well, not watch, but I doubt (laughs) you'll ever listen to this or hear this, even though I hope that you do. And I hope that we get to have a conversation with you at some point. My guy, we need to take some throwing classes. I don't know if you remember, I but I specifically wrote a note that I had to comment on the first few throws that Drew had when he got his sandbags and was aiming at the blocks. It was awful. Like, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. The first, I think maybe his first two or three didn't even make it to the blocks. Like, can I can I say this is not the most this is not the most pathetic throwing we've seen from somebody. I'll I can show you after, but my Survivor fans, uh, I oh, think of God. War Dog. I think of War Dog, and I'll show and I'll show Charles after we record. It was bad, but let me tell you, not the most pathetic thing in my opinion that we've seen in terms of throwing oh, on, on Survivor. I can't wait. But anyway, Drew, I love you. I hope we get to talk about yeah. it at some point in the future. I'll help you out. Drew Drew won the won the uh, won the won immunity and along with it the reward like you mentioned Charles and um, he was given the opportunity to bring two friends with him so uh, guys night 2.0 happened he took uh, Austin and Jake with him I was waiting for the for the music and stuff under the under the girls for girls night back at camp but no girls night was hectic hectic um. I just want to jump forward to the pre-tribal discussions. My one note that I have left on my doc is, quote, D's a dumbass. Okay, let's talk about it. Okay. (laughs) So the entire group agrees we're voting Mama J. This is the right game move for everybody. 
We're getting rid of Mama J. She's too likable. You get to the end. It's hard to beat the person that everybody looks at as mama. You know, everybody looks at the mo- at the mother figure. It's going to be hard to deny her. You know, she hasn't played a bad game and she's played a great social game. She's well liked. I see the mm-hmm. appeal to getting rid of her because there are going to be people. There are going to be people who are going to struggle in not giving their vote to Julie. So yep. they devised this plan. Okay. Everybody's on board. Austin says, I have to tell D. Mm-hmm. To me, everybody's going to say it's dumb. To me, there is a level of like reason and smartness to this. Here's what here's here's the hypothetical. Austin doesn't tell D. D gets blindsided. And now what happens? What I see happening personally, D jumps ship, grabs Jake and Katora, flips on the boys. Emily is pretty, is pretty. You never know what you're going to get from Emily. So now you risk what a potential of four votes flipping on, on you, you know? You know, three, potentially four. What what I see happening personally, if you blindside Julie, you're blindsiding D, and here's what I see happening personally. In my opinion, there's there's a world where D stays with the boys and all that good stuff and stays with the Reba three. And but to me, the most likely situation would have been D goes to Jake and Katora, flips on the boys, Emily stays with Austin and Drew, three to three, tie, revote, Emily flips. That's what I see happening. So, and even if it doesn't, I just think generally it is a dangerous game to play when you, when you blindside D who Austin calls her number one. Like D like that three, like Austin has two number ones. Clearly it's D and Drew. I don't know who supersedes the other, but that's what I see. I just think. If you want to keep D as a ride or die, it is a dumb move to blindside her. She's going to feel like you like you're now untrustworthy because you're now making moves behind her back without keeping her in the loop. Here's my issue. D is dumb. Here's here's <laughs> to me. Here's what I understand. D wants to tell Mama J because that's her, you know, bestie or whatever. And that's Mama and whatever. It's so dumb because what by keeping her now, Mama J is going to create chaos. Now, guess what happens? Mama J flips with Jake and Katora and targets them, them three. If you let Mama J go, if I'm D, if you let Mama J go, here's what happens. You, Austin, Drew, Emily become a, a strong four. Jake and Katora, I doubt they're thinking that Emily is as strongly with the boys as she as she is. You have a four. You have a majority. Screw what Jake and Katora think, honestly. You have a majority of a four that you can ride to a final four, by which point you can get in Austin and Drew's head that it's harder to beat Emily because she has a background. Like, she was the last person from Lulu left. She dug herself out of a hole. So you kick Emily off, and you sit at final tribal. Easy. It's not the most entertaining route for fans, for the audience. But strategically, to me, it's the most logical route. If you let Mama J go, you decrease your threat level. 
because Austin and D aren't seen as a duo yet. D and Julie sure as hell are. So Jake and Couture are probably thinking that, you know, D and Julie are a strong duo. We need to break them up. D's got a huge target on her back. Who the hell are we kidding? The entire Rio four has got a target on their back. It's just dumb to me. I think the smartest move for them would have been to drop Mama J and move forward as a four of them three plus Emily. I just think it would have been the smoothest ride for them. And now Mama J threw out Austin. This is the other thing I got to say. Mama J threw out Austin's name and D didn't say no. Well, sorry, D said D said no, but here's what D failed to mention to Mama J. Austin's the one that told her. Austin's the one that tried to protect her. What are we doing here? It pisses me off because for D, if D wants to keep Austin around truly, the smartest thing would have been Mama J goes, uh, I think Austin should go. D goes, no, back up a few, back up a few steps. You should realize. Austin's the one that told me he's trying to protect us. Now Mama J's like, maybe, you know, maybe not. Because Mama J's running off of paranoia. I just, God, just everything from them two, from D and Mama J, was boneheaded to me. Boneheaded. Both of them. I get Mama J wanting to protect herself, but you've got to think through decisions logically. And by throwing Austin's name out, that was emotional, not logical. There's my rant before I get to the next part that I told you about earlier. Go ahead, Charles. Oh, dang. I, for, I get two rants tonight. I, I forgot. I can't wait. Yeah, um, the idle rant's coming next. Oh, no. I, 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 again, as I mentioned when you did intros, I we are on the same page this evening. Um, the D Do you thing, agree with my vision or... I it does, and I think my biggest, my biggest disappointment, and and I don't even need to rant as long because it's along the same lines. Like, you are at seven people left on the island at this point, and I think at one point D made some sort of statement about it's not time, or we like, when the fuck is it gonna be? When time? is it gonna be the time? If you were a woman paid second in the first two immunity competitions and yeah, you were like endurance if, comps. Yeah. If you are trying to win this game, you only have fucking a few weeks left at this point. It's fucking time because she it Julie is a fucking threat on every level of the game. So why not go with everyone else? And this, truthfully, for me, is the first time that I am okay with a fucking uh, unanimous vote, right? Because, again, I'm looking at it from a game perspective. I'm saying, wow, if we're looking at the threats that are left, and obviously I don't want Austin to go, but I'm going to start looking at Austin, and I'm going to start looking at fucking Julie. And if Everybody else on the island at this point is saying, you know what? We want Julie out of here. Guess what? Julie's going to get the fuck out of here because she's going to win the money from us. Period. And so I just didn't understand D's like clouded. It's too early to let her go. And I'm not going to let her go. You know, 
I will say on the flip side, kudos to her because it does show that she is loyal to a fault. But, but here's your fucking But the fault. fault came and she didn't. Yeah. Here's your fucking fault. You clearly don't want a million dollars. Because yep. that, that you want that a, you just, want mama. That just yeah, that, that was just you, cry, you could go home and cry to mommy then. I'm <laughs> telling you, man. Dude, here's what happens now. This is why this is a mistake for D. Watch. I'm betting this is what happens. Julie's going to flip to Jake and Katora, try to take out Drew. I promise you that because now she knows that Drew's the one that was behind the vote. D is now going to get stuck in the middle. Now she's got to make a decision. Is she going to stay loyal to the boys or is she going to go and flip and create chaos with Julie, Jake, and Katora? And let me tell you what. If this happens and she doesn't pick the boys, she's a dumbass. She's going to lose a million dollars. Here's why. The boys are meat shields, clearly. Julie, Jake, and Katora. Combined between the three of them, they, okay, Jake and Katora have been within the first three people out of endurance comps almost every single week. Julie made two final twos at the first two individual immunity comps, and since then, what has she done? Diddly squat, okay? Austin and Drew are meat shields. The three of them, you can can you can rely on the three of them winning individual immunities moving forward, ensuring that the other geniuses don't. And that's the only way you can have at least a semi-smooth ride to a final three. Yep. And honestly, I find that an exciting final three. Personally, in my opinion, it Wait, should which be- three? Which three do you find exciting? D, Austin, and Drew. It's not to me okay. the most exciting, but yeah. I like it. To me, yeah. the most exciting, the one that I want to see is some combination of Austin, Drew, Jake, and Katora. Because to me, okay. that would provide a very interesting final tribal. D and Julie have very boring statements. D has lost me this week. I still like her generally as a person, but D the player has lost me this week. She got to regain me on. She has to regain my, my love tomorrow. Julie is boring as all frick. All she's going to do is just rely on the, I was loyal to you and, and all this stuff, you know? Okay. Let's talk about these goddamn idols. Okay. Take a breath. Julie. What the fuck? You didn't. I I need to hear you take the breath before it begins. There we go. There we go. Julie, what the fuck? Let me say, for starters, as a lover, as a lover of this game, as a fan of this game, I I love the move of you gave me an idol. I'm going to hold on to it. Why do you want it back? Do you not trust me? Are you going to blindside me? If you really trust me, what is your opposition to me having this idol? Mm-hmm. If I was Austin, just side note, if I was Austin, I would just make the argument. I found it. It's rightfully mine. If you trust me, then you will mm-hmm. give me it back as well. Mm-hmm. But to me, what annoys the crap out of me, and this is what Charles is alluding to, is what we discussed before we hit record. It annoys the crap out of me, the fact that Julie went around with the most like BDE attitude ever of like, oh my God, I have an idol. Look at me, fancy pants. I have an idol. Mm -hmm. It ain't yours. 
Mm-hmm. It was given to you out of paranoia. Why are you acting like mm-hmm. it's like it's rightfully and truthfully yours when it's mm-hmm. not? Yeah, I I'll I'll chime in real quick because it, it genuinely annoyed me to the extent that when she made a comment and I forgot which one, so I don't even want to try to uh, quote it verbatim. But I legit walked out of the room. This woman done pissed me off this week. I can't stand Julie right now. Because and again, like as you said, you know what? If you go around bragging like, oh, I still have this idol that Austin gave me, blah, 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 blah. You know what? I'll give that to you. Don't act like you found it. But the whole, well, I guess I'll have to play my idol. Well, I guess my idol is going to come into play this week. I guess my idol is going to have to save me. Like you said, you did you did nothing. You did nothing. And, and for honestly, me, that like as we're talking about it too, though, that's one of those things. And again, we this may or may not have happened, and we may see this next week or whatever. But for me, if I'm Austin, instead of going to D and saying, Hey, here's the plan, I don't, you know, everybody else is going for Julie. I'm gonna say you're the one over here trusting Julie this much. Look at how she's acting with my fucking idol. Do you not think that she's going to go on some power trip and get rid of you so that she can go win this million dollars and leave your ass hanging? Right. That's so why I'm like, that genuinely pissed me off. And again, uh, now that yeah. we're talking can, about can it, can I it's add like, to that? Use, use that against her ass now. Like, come the fuck on. Let me add to this. Can I also say, in most cases, when an idol is given to you, if I'm going to brag about it, really, it's going to be on account of I was given this idol from somebody because I made a great strategic move. Bitch, you didn't ask Austin for the idol. Austin gave it to you out Uh of his own trust and loyalty to you. He gave it to her, you know, lest we remember, he gave it to her because he was worried that when they split up into those groups of three, her Uh group would lose and she would have to go to tribal with those two geniuses. Yep. Okay, I believe it was Bruce and Kendra or something. Or whatever, or Katora or whatever. And, you know, Austin wanted her to have that extra level of safety. A.K.A. Julie can't even truthfully claim this as a uh-huh. strategic social move. Nope. It's Austin's move. I just, I, I can't. And then she played it like it's hers with the ego and with the chest puffed out like a goddamn peacock. Yep. I'm just really glad that D was able to get in Julie's head and remind her how dumb it would be to write down Austin's name. And I got to respect Julie because I think Julie realized if she had written down a name besides Emily, her game would be fucked. Yeah. If Julie wrote down any other name except for Emily, all five of them left would have all voted for her this week. And I do hope that's without question. Well, no, I think that's, I hope that that's a side conversation 
that we maybe get to see a little bit of uh, the decision getting made for her to not go that route. Because hopefully she's at least humble enough to say, oh, yeah, that would have been a bad idea. So I didn't. I sure hope so. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Like, literally. I, I was on up. the edge of my seat uh, during during tribal because I was worried that that last vote was going to read Austin. I mm-hmm. genuinely thought it might have because of her conviction that yep. Austin's the right move. And you might have lost me for Austin the rest of the been, season. Austin you, would have you been such lost me the rest a stupid of the move. Yeah. Huh? No, I just said had that happened you probably would have lost me for the rest of the season. Not even Drew would have kept you? Had Austin, no, listen to what I'm saying, had Austin been voted out by Julie. Exactly. Could Could not have logged in to see that. Absolutely fucking not. In closing, I think that next episode, it is either Drew or Julie going home. It's one of them two. Julie's going to flip to the other two. They're going to try to convince it on Drew. Them, the three Rebos are going to go on Julie because I think D's going to come to her senses and realize the, you know, what Julie's been doing. Um, Julie flipping is simultaneously really good for her and really bad for her because what it does is it proves to D that Julie's a wild card. And she's a loose cannon that can make any, you know, that's going to make any move whenever she so feels like it. And it's not someone that you want to be aligned with because now you now she starts to think, now, what if Julie gets in her genius brain to go for me? If she's willing to go for Drew and Austin, what's stopping her from going for me? Um, I hope Jake and Katora have the understanding and the wherewithal to go through with a Julie of elimination. Um, I will 1 million percent accept the five to one vote on Julie this week. Um, Austin's guaranteed to go through to the next round because he has an idol that he has to play tonight or never. Um, so Austin will definitely be playing his idol. Um, so he doesn't even have to win immunity for, for crying out loud. If he wanted to, he could just throw it. Um, if I'm Austin, I'm holding on for dear life. If I am in the last two or three with Drew and D, I'm dropping. But if it's Austin versus like Jake and Julie, I'm holding on and playing the idol for Drew or or playing the idol for D. Yeah. Like he can guarantee himself and either Drew or D. Well, I guess we're really going to see who his number one is here. Come out next week. Another thing that I would like to note. Uh, to something that I remember to add on to my D is a dumbass rant. <laughs> D, now why, now why in the Sam hell would you tell Julie that Austin is your is like your other number one? Why the hell would you tell somebody you're not my number one? He is. Why the hell? Because that just tells me. Why do I need to see you as my number one if you don't see me as your number one? Mm-hmm. Now, why the hell did she do that? Do you feel the passive, quiet anger in my voice? Mm-hmm. Because it's just 
so goddamn stupid. Just say like you you didn't have to say Austin's my number one. You could have just said Austin is a good loyal guy that we can trust. Mm-hmm. It conveys the same message that you're trying to convey without painting a target on his back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stupid. Again, stupid. I can't. This week, notice, this week, the I'm Reba good. girls piss me off. Like, I swear to God. Like, it's just, it's such a bone. And let me tell you, Jake and Katora are playing, are playing great. Them two are playing great. They're doing exactly what they need to do to, to move on week by week. And now that the numbers and the ratio is dwindling, they can start to wreak havoc and chaos. I hope the two of them become a duo. That's the smartest move, in my opinion, for them. If the two of them start to work together as a duo. My God, I just <laughs> Charles, your closing thoughts for the week. You know what? I think you took care of closing thoughts for all of America. Um, I am. I'm both looking forward and afraid to next week, though, because I do think that Drew is going to be on the radar again. Uh, outside of a couple of. Of questionable moves a few weeks ago, I do. I think Drew is playing well and may be able to get himself out of whatever chaos starts to fall upon him um, when we watch tomorrow night. But no, I'm here for it. Uh, you know, I think that now that we're down to the final six, it hopefully is going to turn into a little bit more of a cat and mouse fight. And I am ready for people to start going at it because unfortunately, D, contrary to what you believe, it's fucking time. You, you got to make a move. It's fucking time. So um, also, what we- a move would that be for her resume? I dropped one of my number one allies for this entire season. The woman I've been with, I've been, you know, fine, you know, number ones with since like since, you know, you first entered the game. I dropped her. Yep. Let me ask in closing um, my closing question for this episode, Charles, who, in your opinion, all biases aside, who, in your opinion, is playing the best game with the final six? We've seen a lot of their games so far. Who so far to you is playing the best game? Mm. This is going to seem as if I'm not removing any bias. But I, I if am, you say the name that I'm thinking of, I agree. It's not Austin, though. Yep. Yep. Say it. Drew. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, hell yeah. He, he has solid alliances. He managed to help facilitate bringing, again, I'll, I can say her name now that she's evic- not evicted, but now that she's voted off. In, in bringing Emily on and turning that into an ally. And he's proven that he's willing to go against the grain and to get rid of his allies to win a fucking million dollars. That's part of playing the game. Like he's legit playing both sides and is playing his own people against each other while retaining relationships with his main ride or die, Austin. Like, that's what the game is about. It's about lying. It's about manipulation. Again, same thing for Big Brother. Like, lie, manipulate, be a part of the game. 
he has been a part of the game since day one, whether it has been direct or indirect, and has been in conversations. He has tried to make moves. He has successfully made moves. By far, he is leaps and bounds the best player for me right now. I mean, I fully agree. To me, um, just, I, God, I, I didn't like him at first when we first came in, and a lot of people didn't, but I've really grown to love Drew. He's, like, even, like, since the first, like, in the first episode, the first two weeks, he already started showing signs of a good and smart player. This this dude is damn good. As as my friends and I like to call him, Stretchy Cochran. Um, I'll show you a picture of Cochran <laughs> later. Um, you'll you'll see what I mean. Um, this kid is wicked smart, man. Like I don't even use the word r- wicked very much, but this kid is wicked smart. Like the he has a really good balance of social and strategical awareness, which isn't easy. Understanding the good, like the right balance of playing a good strategic game and playing both sides, like you said, but without making enemies. Mm-hmm. is such a good skill to have in these like you know social games like we like we talk about with survivor and big brother he has good timing whether that be coincidence or like actual just like smarts and iq he has good timing with his votes yep. like you said bringing emily in was the right move take in a number really gain her trust and keep her with you guys um she's also someone that's expendable right they dropped her, and it's not like yep. if it wasn't for Julian D doing what they did this week. It's not like it's a number, you know, like it's a majority lost for them. Or, you know, it's not like it's a power lost for them necessarily. Um, but I think he's done a good job of keeping Jake and Katora not disliking him. So I think it's going to be harder for Julie to go to them and really convince them that Drew is the right move. I think mm-hmm. it's... um. I think they could go either way, depending on who puts up the more like substantial and um, worthwhile argument. Austin and D could definitely go in and Drew can definitely go in there and say, like, this is why Mama J is the right move. We got to all vote for her. And realistically, I could see it being a four to two tomorrow night. Austin, Drew, Jake, Katora on Julie, D and Julie on Drew. I see it. I could see it going that way as well. Um I think Drew's such a smart player, and I think to me so far he's been the best player. Obviously, things can change. Somebody can make some real, really big moves and really punch their resume higher in the next in the coming weeks. But no, Charles, you got anything? You got anything to say for our (laughs) my third time asking you for closing thoughts? No, I, I love it. You know, we have had. For me, a great season in in being yeah. a freshman to actually getting all the way through a season of Survivor, and I'm I'm really kind of gaining an appreciation for how the game is played, and again, gaining an appreciation for some of these people because again, you know, Jake wasn't my favorite, and he's still not my favorite, but I to love me, he's life. my favorite okay. entertainment wise. Yeah. Yeah, like he's still there. And so I'm excited for this week. I'm excited for every week. I am glad that we are able to do this and hopefully it continues and other people will um, start to get involved. And if we can ever get back on tap with our social media, um, hopefully we can have some conversation with anyone listening to this too about your thoughts. 
yeah and with that that's all time we've got on this week's episode uh stay tuned we'll have obviously another recap after the following episodes and throughout the rest of the season so thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you guys next time 